I truly believe that a community theater can serve as a backbone of a community. It doesn't even matter your experience level. As long as you're willing to come and commit yourself, you become part of that community and things flow outward. Positivity flows outward from that. This is the Community of Theatre podcast, where we shine a spotlight on the community theatres, the local theatres, not-for-profit theatres of all kinds, that stage over 25,000 productions across America every year. Today we're asking the most fundamental question of all. In a world where you can stream virtually anything from home, why bother with live theatre? To answer that question, I'm back at the Gaslight Baker Theatre with Taisha Calhoun. Hi, Taisha. Hi, Derek. (laughs) Now, you've directed and acted in numerous shows here at the Gaslight Baker, Mm -hmm. but you've also been involved with theater since you were in, I'm guessing, high school? Well, if you really want to go all the way back, I've been in some sort of community production since Mm -hmm. I was a child and grew up in the church and did the Christmas pageants Uh and was on stage and uh, and singing and performing, Um, you know. Yes, yeah, so I have been I've been performing for a very very for a very long time. We're not going to age me right now. No, no, but, that, that's yeah. fair. But so you have experience in I suspect pretty much all of the roles you've directed. You've been on the board. Mm-hmm. You've worked backstage. I you've have. been on stage plenty. Okay. Yes. Then let's just hit the the main topic head on. There are a myriad of streaming services right now with just a handful of subscriptions, or probably just one to Netflix or Amazon Prime, I can watch pretty much any movie or TV show ever produced. If I want to watch, say, a period piece, say Pride and Prejudice, I can go select from multiple options. Do I want to watch Judy Dench or Colin Firth? Mm. If I want you know, a superhero movie, there's really not anything comparable to that in live theater. There, there yeah. are just so many options. So why do this? Why stage local live theater? You know, it's a very interesting question. These days, we are, we as a collective humanity, are bombarded with images coming across screens that are really more of an event and where the participant is a recipient of the event. Mm-hmm. I really believe that live theater and the energy exchange allows the audience members to not just view what's happening on stage, but they themselves become participants in the process. For me personally, art has always meant to move somebody. Like you always use art to move someone, to touch someone's life, to make someone laugh, to make someone think, or to make someone forget. And I think that you don't get that dynamic when you're looking at a screen. You can see the person's body, you can feel their energy, you mm-hmm. can see their emotions, and you can you can really receive what the artist is putting out when you're sitting in a theater setting with live people on stage yeah. versus sitting in a theater setting looking at a big screen. I, I, I'm not knocking movies now. Don't, don't yeah. get me wrong. There's something <laughs> amazing about seeing you know, all of the special effects and all of the big noises. But there's something so sacred about a performer opening themselves up mm-hmm. to an audience and letting them into the story. I think that's, that's, a, that's a really big distinction that the theater has over other type of media forms that are so prevalent these days. As far as the importance of a theater, um, particularly a community theater, is the spirit of teamwork, 
um, that comes together when you assemble people from a myriad of backgrounds and a myriad of talent levels and you bring them together to put this magic on for about three weeks and then it's over. <laughs> there's a really special bond that forms with the company and you know with the theater. This theater, for instance, the GBT, I've had several productions where I, I mean, you and I have worked together now mm. for 12 years because of <laughs> the Wimberley Players. Now you're and both of us. I know, I know. Well, you know, we're very, very young when we started. Yes, so, yes, um, you know, high school is not that long ago. <laughs> but as far as the importance of that, I I think the last two and a half years have been really, really difficult for the world. I mean, isolation, and I know that I have personally regressed in my social skills <laughs> during that time, yeah. right? So... The community theater aspect, now that we're all able to get out and interact with one another, I truly believe that a community theater can serve as a source of a backbone of a community. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter if you're from this side of town or that side of town. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't even matter your experience level. As long as you're willing to come and commit yourself to whatever part of this process that you're able to, you become part of that community. And then it's like a, I don't know, for a lack of a better term, it's like things flow outward. Positivity flows outward from that. Mm -hmm. You can feel more connected to your community. I know so much about this town because when I came here in 2006, Fred Bell, who built this stage, which is on top of the old orchestra pit, mm -hmm. he was my very first director. And he taught me so much about this little town and its history and, um, you know, what he growing up as a child and being an actor here in Lockhart was like. Well, that's interesting because I've, I've been involved with community theaters over a period of time in a few places here, mm -hmm. Wimberley, and I've done, you know, one show here and there in other places. And I didn't think about that before, but I... At least here in Lockhart and Wimberley, I, I do know these communities now in yeah. a way that I didn't because I live yeah. kind of between them in a, a town that's much more of just a suburb of Austin that has less of its own unique personality. Mm -hmm. But these other small towns, I think they probably just have enough physical distance to not feel like suburbs. But these are definitely places that I may have driven through once had I not become involved in community theater. But right. that pulls me into these places repeatedly for a period of months mm -hmm. at a time, usually mm -hmm. for most shows. Mm -hmm. And if you do that a number of times, you do start to just know the places and the history of the place. And that, yeah. that is very rewarding. It is. It's extremely rewarding. And knowing how much... Um, this particular theater means a lot to me. I've I've served in a, you know like as you said earlier a, a multiple roles. I was on the board when we were created. There were two theaters in Lockhart: the Gaslight and the Baker. And then in 2007 we merged, and I served on the board as artistic director at one point and vice president for six years before resigning in 2018 after mm -hmm. 12 years on the board. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, let's. Um, Maybe it's time to, to do something else. Yeah. You know, the, the, the theater, the wonderful thing about this organization is everybody here is a volunteer. And because I am so passionate about this art form, I thought it was going to be more difficult for me to not be on the board and be able to steer the direction of the theater. But here we are in 2022, almost 2023. Mm -hmm. And this organization has been in very good hands as evidenced by this community theater made it through the pandemic. Yeah. 
and is able to continue because the community supported it. Mm-hmm. And so all of that all of that put in a beautiful box and tied up with a bow is why I think that community theater is so vitally important to any community. It just it helps strengthen the fabric of where you are. Yeah. I want to back up to to one of the earlier things you said because I, I think by the nature of us being involved in you know putting on all these shows, mm-hmm. our answers to this question are probably going to be more centered on you know the participants' benefits out of the process. But mm-hmm. you were talking about the interaction between the audience and the actors on stage. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm used to thinking of that from the actor's perspective, but it really is very unique. And it's something that I think most directors tend to address going into the final week of rehearsals because mm-hmm. we're in community theater. Most productions mm-hmm. have a couple of new people in them mm-hmm. who don't know what's going to happen. So the director has to set everyone's expectations that, yeah, people are going to laugh in places you aren't expecting. <laughs> You're going to need to learn to wait for that. There's a technique listening for the crest of the laughter. You listen for the, the laughter to, to build up, and when it starts to die down, that's when you move on. So that's kind of its own you know, idiosyncratic skill that's unique to live theater. Sure. But you as the audience, if you have not been involved in productions, may not appreciate the impact of your responses on the actors on stage because a live audience who laughs a lot, who applauds a lot, who's just verbally reacting in a way that Mm -hmm. any way that the actors can perceive on stage, I think they probably get a better performance regardless of what the actors' intents are. There is absolutely no question about that whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, it's the goal, right? Yeah. That, that every every audience member pays the same for their ticket. They all deserve right. your best performance. And absolutely. you as an actor try and do your best every yes. time. But there is just an energy, and I don't know what else to call mm-hmm. it, that, you know, it's it amplifies and goes back and forth between the audience and the actors. When the audience is alive, the actors become more alive. Absolutely. A couple of things that I like to do, not only with the company that I'm working with, Mm -hmm. um, but also the audience, is when I am directing a show, from the get-go, I let the, the company, and when I refer to the company, I mean all of those who are involved with the production aspect mm-hmm. of the show. Actors, technicians, costume designers, things of that nature. Um, it's very important to me that everyone understands that my philosophy as a director is that this is a team effort. It's a community effort. Mm-hmm. And that includes our stage managers. It also includes our ushers. It also includes our audience members. It includes everybody from the front of the house to the back of the house. And there isn't a single person who is involved in that process that is not any more important than anybody else. Mm-hmm. We're all on this journey together. When I have an opportunity to give a curtain speech, I also like to reassure the audience that it's okay to react. It's okay to Uh laugh. Sometimes people need permission to express themselves emotionally. I kind of think that gets back to our earlier part of the conversation where we have all of these things in a multimedia format coming at us and coming at us and coming at us. And it's a one-sided exchange of energy. And so when people actually are in the same room to be able to experience that cycle Mm -hmm. in person, it 
is, oh, what is the word I'm looking for? It amplifies the experience for everyone involved. Audience is huge. And you know, not all audiences are the same. Mm -hmm. We've had some audiences here. Well, for instance, when we did Tuna Christmas in 2017, Mm -hmm. they were on their feet every night because it was a fantastic show and it was so funny and you can't help but laugh. But there are other audiences that are just as appreciative and who are putting out that same energy, Mm -hmm. even if they're not being vocal about it. And I think that that's a really fun thing as an actor and a performer to find that nuance when you're on stage to understand where the audience is at and where they're able to receive all of this information, thereby bringing them in to the show. I guess the, the, the most consistent element the most consistent thing that makes live theater unique compared to to film and television is that audience interaction. But there are, of course, some shows that are much more explicit about it, that break the fourth wall, that pull people up on stage, mm-hmm. like you did Godspell and you had some audience participation. Right. Is that written into the script of that one? Uh, uh, yes, it is actually yeah. written into the script. One thing that I also do annually during our military tribute show is I uh-huh. perform Lily bunched up from Blazing Saddles and <laughs> Lily gets to break that fourth wall yeah. and she comes and she plays with the audience yeah. and people get re- people just get they get really really tickled when uh-huh. when they experience that my favorite thing to watch growing up Carol Burnett is my number one idol of all time when mm-hmm. it comes to you know performing and comedy and um, she's just amazing um, was watching when they would mess up yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, it's not that I want to watch them mess up because they're so brilliantly talented, but I love the fact that they were so in love with each other, uh-huh. right, in that cast, that they couldn't help but crack each other up all the time. And sometimes they just broke and yeah. they couldn't get it back. Yeah. And that, it, not that I want my actors to break on stage, but when it happens and the actors can roll with it <laughs> and the audience really, really appreciates that. Yeah. When I was in college, there's an, an award called the Irene Ryan Award, and it's it, you get nominated from all over the country. And um, we had some of the uh, judges, the selective judges, coming to a performance of Gypsy at Sweetbriar when mm-hmm. I was, you know, 22, which was just yesterday. Right, right. At any rate, that particular performance, I was sitting down. I was playing Mama Rose, and I sat down on a suitcase during the middle of a song. And when I stood up, the suitcase came with me. <laughs> So I had this wonderful period dress on, and I was trying to walk away from this luggage thing, but the suitcase kept following me, so I had to say, I guess it must be a Samsonite, you know, to the audience to bring them in. And the audience laughed, and they had a great, you know, and the, the judges loved it, and I got nominated, which was a huge honor. Mm-hmm. And um, But, you know, that's the kind of stuff that happens. And you never want the audience to feel awkward about it, I guess. You know, you want the audience to, to be able to experience that, too. I suppose that would be best during a comedy. It's probably not a good thing to break during a very, you know, Edward Albee show, for instance. Uh-huh. You know, just let's not do it there. But but there are circumstances. I, I adore our audiences. Yeah. I love our audiences. We have had people coming to the shows. It's 2022, so I have been involved with this organization for 16 years. And I have seen audience members, the same people come to these to, mm-hmm. the, to this theater for 16 years and watch them age as they have watched me age, mm-hmm. you know, and watch them enjoy. And a lot of them will tell stories about when this was a movie theater and they would get in trouble coming <laughs> to the movie theater, which wow. is interest, an interesting turn of events that yeah. now it's a back to its original form, right. you know, as a, a live theater venue. So the community plays a a huge 
a huge role in not only the success of a community theater, but you know you can be successful, but but to thrive mm-hmm. and to give the community um, what it wants to forget, to laugh, to cry, to get away, but just to be able to interact with each other in a live space. Yeah. Back, I guess, to what's more comfortable for me is, is talking <laughs> about the, the benefits of being involved yes. in directly in, in putting on these shows. Mm-hmm. My perspective is, is honestly pretty limited. It's mostly just on stage experience. I've, I've filled in backstage once or twice mm-hmm. as a substitute for like a single weekend during a show, but I don't, I don't have a range of experience. I have not really been involved with the administration of any theaters. I've been in, involved in one or two, you know, the artistic direction side as a music director, but not, not often. So I don't really have an appreciation for what all goes in or what kind of community building there is for the people who run the theaters, the people who design and, and create the sets and everything. But as a director, I'm sure you have, you've seen all of that. I have, indeed. What I can tell you is that it takes a team. It takes a lot of preparation as a director. The artistic director of the theater chooses the season here, for the most part, based on recommendations of plays that people in the community, yeah. I get back to that word again, submitted, mm-hmm. um, and makes sure that we can perform them based upon if they're being performed elsewhere, we can get the rights. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, so that the person who wrote the stuff can get paid for it, yeah. which as a musician, you're all too aware of <laughs> yep. that, those challenges. Um So the artistic director then selects the season. As a director, once I know what I am directing, if it's something that I have chosen or if it's something that I thought would look good and I was interested in, I then immediately get in touch with several other people who were in charge of various areas of the theater. I get in in touch with someone who can help me out with costumes, Mm -hmm. get in touch with someone who can help me out with construction, get with someone who can help me out with lights. Mm-hmm. and get me someone who can help me out with tech. So there are no less than five people involved when it comes to putting a show together and creating together and collaborating to ensure that the best show is is brought to stage. Every single one of us is a volunteer. Mm-hmm. So that means either we're a little crazy, which, <laughs> you know, the jury is probably not out on that anymore. It's It's likely true, um, or just really, really dedicated to this art form. Mm-hmm. So after that happens, then you cast your show, and then you go into rehearsals, and then you do all of the things that all of those technicians needs. The administrative side of things is a little bit different. That is doing things like a president of the theater is, is a, a really great representative in our community, and the president of the Gaslight Baker Theater is a wonderful representative in the community. Mm-hmm. He is very well-known, he is very well-loved, and he's a fantastic artist himself. So he guides the direction of the theater and makes sure all of the, or at least when I was on the board, mm-hmm. made sure all the day-to-day things were still happening and kind of has his hands in all of the, I guess he or she, because the previous president was a woman, um, have, has their hands and fingers and all of the little pots, you know, that people are, are completing actions on. Mm-hmm. If someone's doing a community outreach program, he has his hand in that. If somebody else is working on the organization of the costume closets upstairs, costume closets and community theaters, as you know, are <laughs> can, can be mortal enemies sometimes. <laughs> So that's kind of like herding cats. And then there's there's other duties as a sign. You know, the, the building 
we have two buildings here. Mm-hmm. They take a tremendous amount of energy and um, input to just keep running, yeah. make sure the, the AC vents are changed at the appropriate time, ensure that Han building is, um, the projects are moving forward on that. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of... A lot of things administratively that have to happen behind the scenes in order for the show to actually occur. My experience as an actor in shows is that the process is intensely well it's just intense. It's it's a it's a emotional whirlwind yeah. because you suddenly have essentially a found family. You know, mm-hmm. you, you audition, sometimes it's a month ahead of time, sometimes it's a couple of weeks before you get together. But from that first read-through, suddenly you're in a group of, I don't know, depends on the show, but like four to 30 people, just depending on, <laughs> right. on the size, whether it's a musical or not, you know, that'll double or triple I the size. I think we had 17 in Arsenic and Old Lace. I think there were oh, seven. Oh, yeah, yeah. some straight plays too. <laughs> yeah. But suddenly that's kind of your family for... Mm-hmm. Four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. There's a lot of variance from theater to theater and production to production. But spending so much time with that set of people, some of whom you've done shows with before, Mm -hmm. often in community theater. And acting is inherently about being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're in this space with the same people all the time, pretending to be someone else, being vulnerable. It creates these deep emotional connections. And at the end of every show, I think, you know, everyone expects they're going to, you know, all remain fast friends forever. And some of those last, some don't. Some of it's Mm -hmm. artificial because Mm -hmm. it's just being in that situation makes those feelings seem more intense and real than they necessarily are. But my friends right now. My social circle is so largely made out of friends I made in productions. Yeah. You know, over a 15-year period or more. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just thinking of the people who I've seen and talked to and, and done things with in the past month, two months, and who I have plans with over the coming holidays as we record this a uh, week or two before Christmas. Yeah. Most of my social circle comes from that world. Yeah, well, the theater is the whole reason why my husband and I moved to Lockhart. Oh, really? Really, yeah. <laughs> when when, So I used to sing in bands and all mm-hmm. that, you know, and, and he one year said, um, you know, you, you sing great in bands and you're all awesome and everything, <laughs> but you talk this big game about this, like, award you were nominated for, and he actually does kind of talk like that. And, um, <laughs> he goes, I want you for my birthday this year to go and audition for a play. So I'm like, okay, let me pick up a copy of the Chronicle because I'm at work and we get it at work. So I picked up the Chronicle and I flipped through to the theater pages and, huh, on Golden Pond at the Baker Theater in Lockhart, 2006. And I looked up Lockhart because I didn't know Lockhart. I mean, you know, it was like, I didn't, I was, San Marcos and Austin were my, you know, my areas. Mm-hmm. When you're a commuter, you get home and you don't really, really want to do anything else because you're tired of driving. So I, I saw that it was Lockhart, and then I saw Lockhart was 22 minutes away. And I thought, well, gosh, why, why don't I do that? And this is, this is the funniest thing. I walked in to the lobby of this theater, and Fred Bell was standing at the snack bar, the concession stand that we have in the lobby. And I said, hi, I'm here to audition for On Golden Pond. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he looked me up and down, and he had a toothpick in his mouth. He always <laughs> loved to chew on a toothpick. Um, and he said... Well, I think it'll do just fine. 
<laughs> what <laughs> did I that said, mean? And I was like, thank you. I'm really, really, really grateful for that and everything. But don't you want to see me get on stage and read? And he said, no. I got a feeling about people. And he goes, all right, well, come on and read. Come on and read. And then I read. And he was like, I told you I knew. And I was like, well, but you had to hear me, you know. So, uh -huh. but that was, it was just so funny to walk in here and 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 have him go, yep, there you go. You're yes, in. You're in. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't know if that was indicative of where Lockhart was at at the time. You have to realize that our town has gone through a massive revitalization within the last seven, really the last seven, seven years. It kind of started 10 years ago when SH, the, the bypass was was brought in, SH-130, or they were building for that. Subsequent to that road being built, everything started to flourish because there was m more money. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting to – you never want to compare community theaters because they each have their own things to give, but you can compare the support yep. for community theaters. And I have worked in theaters where you don't have to worry about a thing. You've got a budget that is for figures. Not only do you have a costume mistress, you have a second and third seamstress. They're going to help you out with costumes. Mm -hmm. You've got – retirees building your sets just because they have nothing better to do and want to still play with power tools. You know, there's a whole different dynamic in a different part of, of wherever you are. Mm -hmm. And the traditional demographic of Lockhart, Lockhart is an amazing place and there are amazing, beautiful people here. But I don't know that the theater had the capacity to be well-known enough mm -hmm. to get the support that it might have gotten previous to the transformation that has now happened. Mm -hmm. That was a long diatribe about that. But, <laughs> but basically, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> where is something? I do, I, I love, I love doing this. I love doing this and I love doing it irrespective of what kind of support mm -hmm. um, is, is given. And that's not, you know, what's, as a director and as a control freak, I'm okay coming in and doing everything. Uh -huh. And in fact, I probably might be labeled as a little stubborn because I like doing things my way, and that's not <laughs> how teams work most effectively. You bring your skill set, and then somebody else brings their mm -hmm. skill set, and then you delegate it according to people's strengths. Yeah, I have a tendency sometimes to be a little over or extra when it comes to that. <laughs> and so, I'm, so it's something I'm actively working on right now is to sort of let go of the reins a little bit. Uh -huh. um, I have had fantastic support like you. You know, I'm going to a Christmas Eve party that's mm -hmm. at a friend's house. And they're my friends because I met them in the theater. Yeah. So, you know, to, to ask someone, to ask an actor to give up six weeks of life with their family, plus three weekends of performances, mm -hmm. you know, contingent upon the, the rehearsal schedule due to the show, that's a lot to ask. So you, like, you you guys are so busy that y'all, I don't know how you do it. Like, you you and Becca are amazing <laughs> doing, like, one after another. Yeah, for context, um, I have I have a, a five and a, a ten-year-old. Mm -hmm. And prior to those kids, uh, my wife and I did five, six shows a year, mm -hmm. just back to back. That was life. Yeah. And, you know, when you have a kid, <laughs> suddenly there are a lot of other <laughs> obligations. I had to kind of drop out of it for a while. And then, you know, right at the point, I think we would have been able to start participating in theater again after my youngest child uh, was getting that age, the pandemic hit. Right. And so it was, 
emerging from that and getting to rejoin this community mm-hmm. has just been amazing. And yeah. I, I didn't realize, you know, how much I missed it. Yeah. During the pandemic. But I will say that, you know, Myers-Briggs personality tests, which include whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. Sure. I have always been an introvert on those tests until the one that I took <laughs> coming out of <laughs> of the pandemic, uh, which was just part of a, an ADHD diagnosis yeah. test. Yeah. Uh, but I happened to take that Myers-Briggs and they said, oh, and you're an extrovert. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> and is, like, that, is that right? <laughs> that is not actually very surprising to me, given, you know, how desperate I have been <laughs> to interact with humans after Right. After just that the two right. years of isolation. And yeah. yeah, I am that's partly why I'm here right now recording a podcast because I just I desperately want to be part of the community all the time. Yeah. And I I still have, you know, young kids, so I can't do as many shows as I did before having kids. But I can talk to people about theater. You a can. Lot. Yeah. You can. And you can also start your own countdown as to when you're gonna be able to do shows again. <laughs> I think you've got what, thirteen years? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been trying you know, try and encourage the kids to, you know, do the summer camps that yes, they have here at yes. the Gaslight Baker. That's a, that's another thing about this theater and other theaters. There's so much it's not just a space where you can come and watch a show. It's mm-hmm. not just a space where you can come and be entertained or laugh. This is an educational facility. There yeah. are so many kids kids who have grown up in this theater who are now in college and beyond yeah. that that I, I watched grow up from the time they were you know eight seven eight years old and now they're in college and so yeah. they they just get on the stage and blossom and the person who directs that program has just made it so incredibly successful um and there's always they always sell out uh-huh. um and there's always amazing feedback and the shows are always adorable. So it's not just, you know, we as we as adults get to come in here and play and have a great time with each other mm-hmm. and, and emote and be vulnerable and, um, and be present, all of those things that are required of an yeah. artist when you're especially doing it in a live format. But these kids get to find that out too. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you how amazing it is to watch a kid come out of their shell and be empowered because of the instruction and the confidence they get from being on this stage and taking a week-long theater camp. Yeah. And some of those kids end up, you know, making it in a sense. Yeah. You know, there's, I I think one of the roles that a lot of community theaters serve is part of the, just the education system that actors and other, you know, technical theater folks go through. A lot, probably more people want to make careers. I know more people want to make careers out of the theater that can actually pull it off. But I have a number of friends and acquaintances who are, you know, they're on tours right now. They're they're working. I know someone working tech on Broadway, three or four shows. Wow. Um, who, you know, I know from this community, yeah. from the Wimberley community, from these theater communities. Yeah. That's neat. It is neat. It is neat. It's all. I mean, it's also. I think it's also neat just how real salt of the earth you can mm-hmm. be in a community theater setting. Yeah, I'm sure that being a tech for three or four shows is awesome and rewarding and absolutely exhausting. <laughs> you know, yeah. right? All at the same time. So I feel like the machinations of this particular machine and, and this particular space and the way we do things is your go 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 for you know really hard for about six weeks and then. You get to take breath. Yeah. Once you open, you know. I mean, I, I don't know about all directors. My philosophy is, 
once we're open in, it's, it's not my show anymore. Uh-huh. You guys, good luck. I hopefully, hopefully I've gotten you to where you need to be. Right. <laughs> and I've never had a, I've been very blessed throughout the years with awesome cast, you know, awesome actors, um, present company included, of course. <laughs> oh, so. I'm not a sociologist, so I can't really comment on, on how true this is, but I've certainly heard it asserted many times that one of the side effects of the internet era and social media is that it allows people to find people like themselves, become members of communities that are very, very niche that couldn't exist before the internet because there just aren't the density of people in physical places to form them. Mm-hmm. But at the cost that people are not part of the actual communities that they physically exist in. They yeah. just don't meet people here. And I guess I do identify with that. I spend a lot of time on Reddit in, you know, communities about certain types of games that I'm into that are kind of niche hobbies. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's great that I can do that. But I also interact with a totally different, diverse group of people when I come to live theater spaces Mm -hmm. that I never would have. People of really the, the entire age gamut. Like oh, you yeah. said, we have, yeah. you know, there are, most shows don't have children in them, but some do have, yeah. have, you know, literal children. Plenty have spaces for teenagers. Mm-hmm. You find a lot of, I don't know, I think a lot of like high school age folks uh, get in on the tech side. Yeah. And then, you know, on to, you know, some people don't find the theater until retirement. Right. And right. just everything in between. And then they knock it out of the park. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are some people who get on the stage and who they present, the, who they are as humans is beautiful and precious. And I'm thinking about one person specifically, and she is just this light in the world. But she's, she's this, she's, she, I don't want to call her meek, um, but she's a little meek. And then mm-hmm. she gets on stage. <laughs> And she knocks the audience on their butts. I mean, she mm-hmm. leaves it all out there. She, like, there's. She didn't have any training. She just knew she wanted to come into the theater. Yeah. And I have had the distinct, very distinct pleasure of sharing the stage with her on several occasions, and it's just magical what she does. You yeah. know, I think there's there's just some people that that are just born with that innate quality to emote and and to 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 transform themselves. And I think that we all do that. Obviously we all do that as actors, right? Mm-hmm. But there are, there are shining stars in, even in a community theater organization. And that, that, uh, that lady is certainly one of mine. So. <laughs> yeah. If I have a point with this episode, which I definitely do, it is that you, wherever you are, should definitely get involved in community theater if you aren't already. One more thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause you were mentioning earlier about, being able to go to a specific niche on mm-hmm. like a Facebook group um, and going back to the original question of why community theater versus all of these other multimedia things that we have coming at yes. us all at once. It is my firm belief with everything I am that we are not meant to be solitary creatures. Mm-hmm. And we can receive all kinds of information by ourselves from a screen but that's not how we take care of each other. And I believe that one of the most beautiful things that happens in a community theater setting is that we really take care of each other. Mm-hmm. We form that really, really tight bond during a show, and it, 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 sometimes it lasts, sometimes it doesn't. But even for that just brief moment in time, there is the purest 
love that we can have for one another because it's required to be an actor on stage, to Mm -hmm. love your fellow actors and to trust them implicitly. And I think that that's the biggest difference of all is that we're supposed to be with each other. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. Thanks. This was fun. Yeah. So if you're looking for a New Year's resolution, make it that. Get involved with the show. Audition for it. See if your local theater needs tech help. They Mm -hmm. usually do. Volunteers of all types. All right. Where can listeners find information about the Gaslight Baker? So the Gaslight Baker Theater's website is www.mygbt.org. We have our current and upcoming season listed there. You can also send us an email with any questions you might have. All right. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Derek. This has been the Community of Theater Podcast. If you're listening to this episode when it releases, it's the start of 2023. Happy New Year. I thought this was the perfect occasion for a a very optimistic, positive episode. I intend for the show to strike a balance between celebrating the art form and the community and being self-critical so that we can collectively grow. On that note, I would love your input into what questions I should be asking and who I should be asking them of. You can reach me at communityoftheater at gmail.com, on Twitter at Derek Smoot, that's D-E-R-E-K-S-M-O-O-T-Z, or via the show's Facebook page, which you should be able to find by just searching for the Community of Theater on Facebook. As always, I very much appreciate it if you would subscribe to the podcast or leave a review, because that's how we grow this community. Thanks for listening, and if you're currently in a production, break a leg.